Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Indie Rugby Podcast Japan 2019 in association with Tudor Watch, the official timekeepers of the Rugby World Cup. I'm Jack Demonazes and today I'm joined by Duncan Beck of the Press Association. Hello. Morning Duncan. Hello. Uh, welcome back to Park Hotel, I'm sure you remember it well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we stayed here when we first arrived in Tokyo, right back almost two months ago now. Um, and then it was, and then we head from here to Miyazaki, where I did the first podcast with you. So. Yeah, that's God, seven weeks ago now. That's uh, right. It yeah. Feels like a feels long time. Feels like it? a lifetime, and like an awful lot has happened in between. And back then, we actually did a podcast on whether England could win the World Cup, and thankfully, we both said, "Yeah, they they can," uh, which makes sense now because they're in the final. <laughs> we did say they can, but we also said they could go out in the quarterfinal stage. Well, that was certainly my prediction. You, my prediction was you didn't know what would happen they're very capable of winning it they're very capable of losing to Australia in the quarterfinals but now that we're here in the, the final stage they've been it was an impressive win against Australia and an incredible performance against New Zealand that undoubtedly the best I've seen of England and probably any match I've covered um, and that's possibly a lot, a, lot, a lot of matches as well there, there is a lot of matches 20 <laughs> years believe it or not um, I've, I've, I remember the 2007 quarterfinal between New Zealand and France, and for, for drama that was uh, that was incredible. But um, Saturday's game was was on, on a different level. I just thought the way England played, the way they dismantled the world champions was astonishing. And um, people will talk to, talk about it as the best England performance of all time, and you can certainly argue a very convincing case for that. And if Saturday was kind of the the firework display. Sunday was the, the slow burn, wasn't it? Uh, Wales, South Africa yeah. didn't quite live up to the game 24 hours before. But we now know that South Africa will be playing England in the final. Wales and New Zealand have the unfortunate responsibility to play the bronze final, which I don't know how that one's going to be because neither of them want to be in it. But New Zealand are going to be really angry from that. And I, I quite fear for Wales. It's going to be Gatlin's farewell and it could go horribly wrong. But let's talk a bit about South Africa, Wales then. Um, 1916, very close game, and it's almost not. It's not funny, but it's almost impossible to believe that Wales have been in two World Cup semi-finals during Gatland's reign and have lost by a combination of four points. I mean, it, it doesn't get much more unlucky than that, does it? Yeah, and I, and I think they'll look at yesterday um, and they'll see it as an opportunity missed because South Africa, very powerful up front, um, did a bit of a job there. But that game could have been won. That was there for the taking from Wales. They, they just seemed a bit subdued. Uh, maybe the sort of suffocating tactics of South Africa were so effective they just stopped Wales playing. There's definitely that, definitely that element to it. But this isn't a great South Africa team. Um, and the way they played is, is definitely very limited. So I've, I think they'll see this as a bit of an opportunity missed. You, you know, there are some mitigating circumstances. Warren Gatlin didn't want to use it as an excuse after he actually said that, but... They have had some terrible injuries, including another two during the game to to prop and then George North as well. 
Yeah, Tom um, Francis. Tom Francis. We, we think a dislocated shoulder. That's right, shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jonathan Davis. We don't know how fit he was. So you can't criticise them because they gave it everything. Um, but you would see it. They will look, certainly look at it as an opportunity miss. And, and a final reaching a final would be a great way for Warren Gatlin to sign off. But as I mean, like you said, they now face New Zealand. Mm-hmm who must win they cannot afford yeah. to lose this game on and it's Steve Hansen's last match in charge of Kieran Reid's last game as captain is it, is it a shootout for Ian Foster to get the job because suddenly it, it did look guaranteed that he was going to take over from Hansen that the All Blacks like to do that promotion from within but when you've got people like Jamie Joseph Gatland you know Michael Checker's on the market I, I can never see Michael Checker doing the All Blacks job but there's a lot of names out there. Scott Robertson is another one that's being mentioned. Joe Schmidt as well. Exactly, he's, he's without a job. Um, if, if they lose to Wales, back-to-back defeat, suddenly it, the promotion for Foster becomes a little bit harder, doesn't it? Yeah, it's definitely in. You'd say that they're going to lose a few players fairly soon. I mean, they're losing Reed for, for sure. Sam Whitelock, how much longer can you go on for? Very experienced guy. He's taking a year sabbatical a year as well. sabbatical. So, it's, it, you did, I mean, during the summer... You did look at this All Blacks team and think that they were vulnerable, but they, they started the World Cup in such a way, they beat South Africa pretty convincingly in that group game. It was mm-hmm. a fantastic match. Um, then they demolished Ireland in the quarters. So you're thinking, OK, they're back. But what this England performance has done is, is shown that, that they are vulnerable in a way that perhaps we haven't seen for a long, long time. You know, they're missing those big, the really big names, the McCaws, um, Carter, Carter, Armani, those types of guys, Comrade Smith, who were there for so long and so experienced. Um, and on Colin Saturday, you missed those big names really stepping up. You, you spoke a little bit about the South African style, and I was particularly critical of it in my match report. Um, yeah. I, so, what one thing that I've been looking at is how the 2017 are remembered or not remembered. And they're, they're not really remembered as one of the great World Cup teams because of the style they played. It was very much kick for touch and try and constrict a team into giving away a penalty. And that's what I'm seeing again. And I just think, do South Africa want to be remembered for that? Because it's not an attractive brand of rugby. It is a brand of rugby. We do have to remember that it's you don't have to play beautifully. But I, I just feel surely there's more to the game surely there's more to the players because there's some big talent in that team and they don't seem to want to use it under this this current style yeah definitely I mean they would argue that they're playing winning rugby and they're into the final so if this is their most effective way of winning then that's what they'll do but I agree with you I mean Willie LaRue's a fantastic player. He was barely used yesterday. Do you think he's short on confidence? Um, he, he dropped a strange one straight into touch. Hasn't been the player that we've come to know in the Premiership. And he, he, he tore it up during that, that tour last against England last summer. He, yeah. was, he was superb. He, Yeah, he, he does look short of confidence, but the, the team aren't using his, his ability. The, the wingers were basically reduced to kick chase. Yeah. That, that was their sole role. Um, outside centre, he showed his his, his gas early on. Uh, nice break, but then the ball barely got to him. Damien Delande. Now he's he's a he's a player. He's a, he's a big, strong inside centre. Very impressive try, um, and he, he's a focal point for them. Gets them on the front foot. Did exactly the same at Twickenham last um, last autumn and during the last summer. He's he's such a big player for them. And you've got Andre Pollard, who's who's very very solid and very mm. good at what he does but isn't going to 
light up the world. So they're kind of playing to their strengths. Although they do have some talent, obviously, in the, in the, in the back three, they're kind of playing to their strengths, which is pack 9, 10, 12. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I saw a lot of Butch James in Pollard's performance yesterday. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was one of those where you know what the team's limitations are, so you're just going to play to those strengths and just take every point that comes up. And in the end, that proved crucial because it was Pollard's kick four minutes from time that won the game for them. And that, that, that finish, I thought, it felt a little bit strange in the stadium, kind of comparing it to where we were 24 hours before and the euphoria that kind of swept over Yokohama. This time it was almost... South Africa won another penalty in the 79th minute and it's only then that you clocked, oh, Wales aren't going to do this. Yeah. And then rather than kicking for goal... South Africa just took a tap, kicked it out. It was all very flat, and you just thought, "Oh, well, that's that then." Yeah. And yeah. I, I just don't know. I, I don't think I saw enough from South Africa to suggest that they will beat England. Of course, we know they can. And Razi Erasmus was very keen after the game to stress they they played four times during his reign of the last eighteen months, and they're split two-two. So we know Springboks can win. Yeah. But I didn't see enough, or I haven't seen enough from South Africa this entire World Cup to suggest they can beat the England team from Saturday. Now, whether England can do that again yeah. is another argument, and we'll discuss that in the second part of this episode. But do South Africa have a better performance in them, or do they need to play that way? Well, I mean, I take what you put off the euphoria on Saturday, um, and in that opening quarter between England and New Zealand, we played at such a fast pace. It was a astonishing. It was from kind of end-to-end. England were dominating, but it was still end-to-end. Mm. It was played at such a speed. It was almost like yesterday was almost like watching a different game. It was set piece. It was plodding. I saw some, someone someone did a really good tweet uh, yeah, explaining that. Could that. Have been mine, actually. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> it was like it was just light years ahead of what we saw on Saturday, and the atmosphere of the, of the ground suffered as, as a result. Um, I'm not sure if that's um, England should have on what we've seen in these two semi-finals. England should have far too much for South Africa. The challenge will be have they, and this is something Warren Gatlin mentioned. He had. Warren and Eddie, his old sparring partner, Eddie Jones, they, they love a bit of an exchange of, of, of barbs and, yeah. and grenades. Um, and so Warren signed off his last meaningful game by saying, he, he asking if it, England had played their final a match too early. And that is, that is definitely, well, that was a bit of a pointed dig. That was definitely, it's a valid point. I yeah. mean, beating the All Blacks in the semi-final in the way they did would, would have created this huge euphoria which must be hard to, to follow just like mentally psych- psychologically how do you reach those levels again um, and, and that's what they're going to have to do you'd say South Africa are run down from New Zealand but it's getting over that mental barrier of having already beaten the best and then having to rise yourself for one more one more occasion and of course people say it's a World Cup final how can you not mm. be up for it but it was still such a massive occasion the way they demolished New Zealand was, was, was something special and just finally for part one, if we look at Wales going forward, they've got Wayne Pivak coming in after Gatland. There'll, there'll be some kind of uh, continuity there with the players and Alwyn Jones signing his new contract. He's at least still going to be there. But where do you see them going? Because they've, they've got a very good squad and they were depleted by injuries again. But can they, can they keep this up, what they've done under Gatland? I think... Everyone was in agreement in the press conference yesterday that what Gatlin's done over the last 12 years has been very special for Welsh rugby. Can Pivak do that? Because his record doesn't match up to Gatlin's, certainly at international level. Huge, huge <coughs> shoes to fill. 
Um, Gatland has been the most successful coach in Six Nations history. I, don't, I think it's sort of results and silverware alone sort of bear that out. He's been he's been superb. It, it's it's a tough act to follow, and th- there's always been this feeling that, that, that Gatland has had Wales punching above their weight for a long time. The change with the change of coach, you do kind of fit. Next next year's Six Nations is going to be very interesting to see how they kick on from here. Uh, they've certainly got one to fifteen. They've certainly got a very strong team as we saw during the Six Nations. But as soon as those injuries start to set in, that's when they start to suffer. And it's going to be a fascinating time for head for, for Wales. Um, like we said, well, uh, Gatlin's had them punching above their weight for a long time to get to, get them to two World Cup semi-finals. It's a, it's a special achievement. He would have, he would have wanted that final appearance, and it could have been there for them this yeah. time. But he still he signs off. They'll probably lose. You would imagine they will, they'll come and suck against the All Blacks. But this year is a final year, Grand Slam, World Cup semi final. That's, that's a pretty good way to sign off. And again, like we said, big uh, tough act for Bivak to follow. Yeah, I think we're both in agreement there that the All Blacks are probably going to come out all guns blazing in that in that third place playoff and. Could get quite messy for the Welsh, especially if they're without their first choice uh, tight head Tom Francis and North as well. And, and Gatland has to weigh up. Does he bring out replacements for a week? And he, he said afterwards, you know, it's a long way to come just to hold the tackle back. Yeah, and he's right. You know, it, who's going to want to make that journey to play in the third place playoff, or even worse, not play in a third place playoff? So yeah, that, that's what he's got to weigh up today. And, I know that they're re- reassessing the squad this morning and then they'll go from there and we'll probably have an announcement in the next 24 hours so we'll see what they do but I think it's going to be quite a painful week for that squad yes and that's uh, that's everything for part one uh, join us after the break where we'll look ahead to the final as England and South Africa meet in a repeat of the 2007 World Cup final Welcome back to the Indie Rugby Podcast Japan 2019 in association with Tudor Watch, the official timekeepers of the Rugby World Cup. 
Duncan? It's the final week. We've been here a long time, nearly two months now. Uh, but the finish, the finish line is in sight. We've got one more week left. This time next week we will be at Haneda Airport getting ready to fly home. And we will know who the new world champions are. They are going to be new cha- champions. It's either going to be England or the Springboks. Let's look at England first. They, of course, won the 2003 World Cup and also appeared in the 91 final. But are they in the best position they've ever been in to, to win a World Cup when you compare what they did in the semi-finals, what they did in quarter-finals and what they're going up against? I would say the fir- for the first time, injury has become a bit of a worry. I mean, they, they've got to this point, they got to the semi-final where they had this staggering... Every single player was fit. Jack now, Eddie said he could have been selected. In the end. I doubt that because if he if he was fit, if he had recovered from the hamstring injury, he would undoubtedly have been on the bench. So yeah. he was probably touch and go. But apart from Jack now, he had all thirty players available for that New Zealand game. Um, prior to that, there's no one back home in England that they would want here uh, that they've lost for injury. So it's a remarkable place to be in at this stage. And England need their best team on them. They needed the best team on the pitch to beat New Zealand. They had that and they've done that. But now we've got a few injury concerns. So Willie Hines is out, placement scrum half. Ben Spencer's coming in. That's not not the biggest loss in the world. Um, although he's had a pretty solid World Cup and build-up. Uh, I was going to say, we discussed him at the, the start. That's right, yeah. How, how do you think he's gone? He's had, what, I think three or five games there. He's been on the bench for most of them, mm. dovetailed with Ben Youngs. Yeah. How, how do you rate? Has he been a good addition to the England squad? I think he has. I think he's. Done, I think he can. Sort of, he'll leave Japan with his head held high. He's done a pretty good job. Probably surpassed expectations. He hasn't had a huge amount to do, but he's just been. His best game was against the USA, and that's when he looked most comfortable at the Test level. And that was. It was quite an easy game, but he still came on. He, he still played particularly well. So, yeah, he, he's done well. He's done a good job. You can still make the argument, well, why wasn't Danny Kerr here or why wasn't Ben Spencer here from the, from the first instance? But um, he, he's done okay. So you've got your replacement scrum off there. Ben Spencer will come in. That's not the biggest loss, but you've got Owen Farrell, dead leg. Johnny May, dead leg. Carl Sinclair, calf. And then we have Anthony Watson. I'm not quite sure what's wrong with Anthony Watson. was the word Saw. Eddie Jones used, wasn't yeah. it? I'm not sure what body part that is. Yeah. <laughs> Overall body soreness, I oh, think we've it had is. that one a few times. <laughs> um, so... So there'll be a number of sort of fitness tests now coming over the, over the coming days. Owen Farrell's obviously a player they dare not lose. Carl Sinclair's been superb. Anthony, all of those, all four of those players have been key personnel mm. that they won't want to lose. And that they'll do everything possible to get them onto the pitch. But this is for the first time you're starting to question what tide England are able to put out as opposed to what will their selection yeah. be. Do you um, think that... The signs are good in that if there were fears over all those players, replacements would have needed to have been called up already, as they did with Spencer, just to even as the emergency decision that they did before, the RFU put out a little notice to say, Spencer's coming, we don't know if we're adding him to the squad yet, and then an hour and a half later it was right, he's in. But at least they showed that reaction to, right, let's get them here as early as possible, and the fact that they haven't suggests they might come out quite well. I think it could suggest that, also could suggest that they have cover in the squad that they think is that they, they have enough options already so if they lose Owen or if they lose Johnny May they have options already yeah. so I mean there's only one game left so do they need to fly another wing out probably not they've got Joe Cocker Singer uh, 
McConaughey here already. So, and Noel coming back to and fitness. And Noel coming back yeah. to fitness. So they've, they've probably got the options if one of, the, one of those guys yeah. does does pull out. Does that make the... Cole Sinclair's an interesting Yeah, yeah that's I mean, what I was So, I mean, they don't have that cover unless they're going to put Joe Marler in it. And you reserve bring in Yeah, but then that would be a big call in the final yeah. to go in with Joe Marler as your reserve Against, against possibly the strongest pack here yeah. they, they, the Springboks did a job on Wales in the scrum didn't they yeah yeah, definitely so that, that would be a risk um, if they can get those guys fit though you, you see that first team uh, I mean I, I just can't see where South Africa are going to be able to do what they did to Wales in in that they overpowered them they physically constricted them that's what England are doing to teams and because they've got people like Maro Toje and Manu Tuolangi and the Vinipola brothers they're able to do that and they're able to get over the game line every time they're able to defensively smash the opponents backwards which just makes it much harder for their opponents to get any go forward as we saw with New Zealand and I'm not sure South Africa's uh, tactics will work on the back foot so if England are able to do that they get their, their big guys fit is it straightforward? Is it going to be straightforward? You would have thought so, because you, you would have thought this England pack can go toe-to-toe with South Africa in a way that Wales couldn't. Mm. I mean, Wales have, like you said, they've had their injury problems. They, they look tired, they've looked tired as well. I mean, we were there for that, for that France game, and um, it just looks subdued and tired. And Warren has said that they're not, um, it's, not become, it's not been a game too far, but it, it definitely has that feel to it. Mm. With England, they don't look tired. They're extremely well conditioned and they've got a big pack and they are I think they're very capable of mixing with South Africa so then you if you're not if you're not you'd at the very least hope to get parity yeah. from an England perspective so then you look elsewhere I mean Warren Gatlin said it yesterday that South Africa for them to win would have to kind of add a few more strings to the bow they'd have to come out with a show a bit more than they did in the, in the semi-final and, and I think he's right because I think England beyond 12 so much, so much stronger. Have so much threat yeah. and so much um, ambition that I think just unless South Africa do such a comprehensive number up front, I just don't see. How, I don't see how you argue a case for them winning. Unless England don't turn up and, as, as we said already, that that semi-final win over New Zealand has drained so much out of yeah, them. They just don't have it. Yeah. I mean, Razzi Erasmus didn't exactly suggest they were going to do that afterwards, did he? It's not going to be a final one by attacking rugby or wonderful tries. We'll grind it out again, is what he said. So exactly. <laughs> I, I think that says all you need to know. Let's but hope for the, was it 60 odd thousand in Yokohama that yeah. they don't take that approach. But, but um, let's just hope for us, it's been a long tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and well, the, the other interesting thing is, uh, is who they play at 10. Yeah. I mean, that's been a sort of big selection issue throughout the World Cup and, and its build up win. George Ford has been playing so well all the way through and then against Australia he drops to the bench because of Karevi and then because to shore up the defensive line by bringing in Slade so and we saw last night what a big in, inside centre Delande can do and he, Delande is every bit as potent you know powerful full running inside centre as, as um, Samuel Karevi mm. it was because of Karevi that, that Ford has dropped to the bench so do so they look to strengthen their midfield again by Dropping forward onto the bench, Owen at 10, um, Manu at 12, and, and Slade at 13. That, that's a really interesting call. But the way yeah. George Ford played against New Zealand was incredible. So it'd be incredible. It'd be very tough on him. But we saw in that New Zealand game, he made a lot of tackles. Just physically, he's 
overpowered a bit. So although he'll bring a player down, they've crossed the game line. So I think that that's the that'd be the concern. Luckily, the All Blacks are still here, so we can maybe pinch their spy and check what yeah. Eddie's going to do this weekend. <laughs> but, I've heard about these spies. Uh, yeah, yeah. oh, Eddie knows all about <laughs> <Yeah>. them. <laughs> but let's let's talk about that finally, um, Eddie Jones and. I believe there was, there was one reporter this morning that referred to him as Sir Eddie Jones. Oh, I mean that that could, sir. Could, I'm, I'm not sure who that was. I, I think it might have been the soon to be oh, Sir Eddie okay, Jones. Okay. And I mean that's where we're going to go with this. He so far he's kind of got every decision right, hasn't he? He, he dropped Ford, and we kind of thought uh, he, he shouldn't really have done that the way Ford's playing and. England then justified it by beating Australia convincingly and Ford came on and did a very good job in that second half. He then restored him against the All Blacks and he played brilliantly in that first kind of half an hour. He really ran the show and you think, you know, we, we do second guess him. We always try to second guess him. That's in human nature. You always want to do that. You always want to express your opinion. But he hasn't really slipped up yet, has he? No, he hasn't. He's been... Um, I, I remember... Going into before the New Zealand game, the way the players were talking in the build-up, I just thought that England were in the best possible place they could be going into that game. So it's sort of win or lose. If they'd lost, they would have lost the better team. But there's nothing more that could have been done to prepare them for that occasion. And as, as it turns out, they come through that occasion with, with flying colours. Yeah. And I think what, what Eddie Jones did in terms of their psychology was, was spectacular. The way he has managed to induce that kind of performance from the players who only last year were, had gone on a six-game losing run, five tests, and then that game against the Barbarians yeah. at all. They were, you know, his future was in major doubt during that tour. It, 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 was, it looked like he'd lost his way, the team had lost their way. Since then, he has rebuilt. And what we've seen during the summer in the build-up and at this World Cup is I think, similar to what we saw when he started the World Cup, which is he took the team on that 17-game winning run, took the same team that had gone out in the group stage of the World Cup, and put, this, put them on this record equal run, mainly by getting through the same players, just mainly by getting between their, their ears, getting into their mm. head, pushing the right buttons. And that's exactly what he's done with this team. And he's got them into the best possible place psychologically. So I, I think that would be his, that's his greatest triumph, is putting a team out against the world champions that believe in they can win and then producing that type of performance. And that is you know, his genius as a coach. He's an outstanding coach, not always the easiest guy with us in the media although he's, he's great copy for us yeah great he can be hugely entertainment entertaining um, not always the easiest guy to deal with from a media point of view but as a, as a coach I think he's he's outstanding yeah. and uh, he's on the brink of repeating the 2003 triumph and well he, he's gone after one or two journalists on this uh, the trip I'm not sure who, who he has uh, I, I just don't think he has patience for poor questions Jack. Oh, I'm not sure it's poor questioning <laughs> I think it's uh, cracking under the pressure of really good intrinsic questions <laughs> if you ask me. forensic yeah of course yeah, yeah. when the pressure comes on it's how you react yeah, yeah. we've seen those reactions yeah but we, we do have to actually acknowledge the, the mentality switch that you mentioned there that England went into that game as favourites in their heads, didn't they? Yeah. You know, they they weren't at all with the bookmakers. They probably weren't with us. Yeah. But from the very start, even the smirk from Owen Farrell during the hacker, they just kind of knew we've got we've got you. Yeah. And I've never seen an England team like that. Even the 2002 uh, win over the All Blacks, yeah. you still thought, I don't know if they've got this. Yeah. And England probably thought, right, it's a big game. You know, we'd back ourselves, but this is the All Blacks. Whereas. 
I just kind of felt on Saturday they knew straight away we're going to beat this team and I haven't seen that before yeah definitely and they had uh, I mean that had the, the potential to backfire spectacularly yeah. on the way the way they approached the hack and it was great theatre it was superb as soon as you saw them lining up it's well what's going on here what, what are they doing and then you see Joe Marler one tip of the V sort of wandering around going way too far forward (laughs) and we weren't immediately aware of um, Owen Farrell smirking and winking apparently as well but um, it was was great theatre and and they just backed it up right right from the right from the word go and it was just added to this whole occasion of well that was that was it was a special game to be at and and just to go back to Eddie he was the he's the architect of all of that it's what he's managed to do so just to finish this uh, episode up then week ahead Friday Wales v New Zealand are you planning on going that's not a game we uh, we really like to look forward to is it well luckily our, our outstanding PA's outstanding Wales correspondent Andrew Baldock will be covering that one oh, and, is it not uh, a two man job it's there? not a two man job <laughs> the bronze play- playoff it's not a two man job uh, and it's a six o'clock kickoff, and I'll be dealing. I'll be doing my England previews for the big one on Saturday. But uh, I think I, I'm there. I think I'll be at the third place yeah. game, which will be just great. Okay. I can't wait. It's a game that no one wants, and they kind of people won't criticize Warren Gatland or or Steve Hansen wouldn't criticize it afterwards. But no. um, it is the game that, that no one wants to play. No, both squads want to go home. This yeah. week. you don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how they approach it because there are two approaches. You can either embrace Japan and kind of sack off training to do the bare minimum and we have seen that in the past with teams or you can really look to go out with a bang so it'd be interesting to see how those two teams approach it differently and then we gear up towards Saturday World Cup final once every four years Um, Yokohama Stadium hopefully we'll have that electric buzz again we we didn't get that on Sunday let's hope it's something similar to Saturday Um, and I think let's just look forward to what should be a good game if we think back to the recent England South Africa games they have actually been very entertaining haven't they so let, let, yeah. let's hope there's a, a little bit of spice in it yeah definitely and it's the culmination of when did we start this June build up to the World Cup I, I think so four or five months Premiership final 1st of June and this all started 2nd of June pretty <laughs> yeah, much yeah so this is the culmination of months of, of work for us and obviously the players the time spent in camp and yeah, let's hope, let's hope it's, it's, it's a great game. The way England have been playing, you, you'd imagine if they're able to put, put it out there, it will be a fantastic win, uh, a fantastic game yeah. and, and a good win. The only cloud on the horizon is South Africa and their, their forward-dominated arm wrestle style, set-piece style, which is serving them well. But yeah. Let's hope it doesn't ruin the spectacle because we'd all like to see another uh, New Zealand-style Performance. Yeah, exactly. Performance route. Yeah. Well, that's all for today's episode. Join us again later in the week as we look ahead towards the World Cup final between England and South Africa. Remember, you can subscribe and download to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen. And we'll see you again next time. Goodbye. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.